Hi, I'm Mike. Uh, I'm Jonathan. This is Eric. And this is Aqualam Records podcast number one. All right, coming to you sort of live from quarantine, I guess. I'm stuck in Maryland right now with my in-laws. Where are you guys at? I'm in Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, we got out of Greenpoint, Brooklyn, maybe like two weeks ago, I think. Second week here. And where are you at, Eric? I'm in Bennington, Vermont. I've been splitting my time between Brooklyn and Vermont for the last year and a half. When things started getting kind of sketchy, I just came back home and have been working from home up here. So this is maybe week three. The week before things really got crazy, I just stayed up here. Um, is, it, is it pretty rural up there? Are you social distancing pretty well? Vermont's the second least populated state in the country. And <laughs> nice. uh, at times it can definitely feel like it, but we're kind of just a couple of blocks from downtown Bennington. Like we can walk downtown and then like, 10 minutes or so we're on a residential street and we're actually kind of on a main street and we're like a block and a half from the hospital felt a little bit funny to be so close to a hospital but i think we only have like eight cases in our in our town which it feels a little intense because there's only sixteen thousand people in bennington i I haven't done the math but it's it feels present here as much as anywhere else i i think for me the whole reason why i got out of brooklyn was just like nobody was in Greenpoint, people were still partying, going to the bars. And, you know, we we have nest cams going at the uh, Aqualam house on the street. And there's still a lot of people walking up and down the street. But, I, you know, we had a big band camp sale uh, a couple weeks ago. I brought most of the warehouse up here with me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been busy uh, packing and setting stuff out. Are those records behind you? People can't see, but are those yeah, there's boxes behind we, you in the garage? There's boxes of records and books. Tried to bring a little bit of everything so I wouldn't have to go back down, but I, I think I'm actually going to have to go back down just trying to figure out when, when's a good time to go back down. So um, open for business. We're still open for business. We're still sending stuff out. You know, uh, one thing that was challenging on the 28th, we were going to do this big, huge show with Frail Lopan. You guys were going to play Space Merchants. You know, Nathaniel Shannon and the Vanishing Twin. Who else did we have on there? We had uh, uh, one of our newer releases, um, Bowery Boy Blue, which we had were hoping to come out early summer, but I think we're just going to have to push that. And then that show was like actually selling really well and it was going to be a big show for everybody low pan was going to come out and uh frail they just you know had a record release a couple weeks ago and later on we're going to talk to those guys about the release but things just sort of changed and now we're in the whole streaming uh paradigm which is it's in in some ways it's kind of cool like the frail guys they did one a, a week ago and then this weekend they're going to be on weedian so they're yeah. doing a live stream Gwen live stream from their house. Yeah. With uh Sean playing guitar and Gwen singing and playing two backing track. And what's nice is, you know, about Frail, like Sean's an engineer. He actually recorded both their records. So like all those guys, you know, are set up, you know, have really good sound. And I think it, you know, everybody's like working these things out. I mean, there's a lot of interviews going on podcast yeah. and i think that's why we you and know, know eric and i always 
always talked about doing this and even now seems like a great time to like try to make it work out. And I know you guys were talking about getting uh, the other artists, maybe to do some live streaming. Uh, I know we're going to talk to a lot of the artists on this uh, podcast, which is good. Any way we can get the word out now without actually touching people in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and also, I think we're going to try and open this up, up to non, you know, people beyond Aqualam, people beyond music. Pretty much everybody on the label comes from a creative background. You know, yeah. Eric and I are both like creative directors and designers. You're like a sound guy, you know, um, producer. So, you know, I think we're, we'll come up with some cool shit. So before we get into the frail interview, what are, what are you guys watching at home? What are you, what media are you consuming to make yourself sane? Uh, you know, movies, records. Yeah. So what I did and I probably shouldn't have done, I did it early on. Mm-hmm. I watched in New York. I watched Contagion. <laughs> That's a terrible movie to <laughs> watch. Then, right now. <laughs> and then, and then, even worse, I I actually bought I Am Legend. Mm. <laughs> these are not um, documentaries, by the way. They're just classics. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and it's it's pretty close. So the new Westworld, the third season. I'm I'm super into that. It's good. Some people, some people are dissing it, but I'm, I'm digging it. I've only seen the first, uh, the first episode. Actually, about a year and a half ago, we dropped HBO, so I haven't seen anything that's been on HBO in the last year and a half. I was happy to get back into Westworld, and I also just kind of binged uh, The Watchmen, which uh, oh, very finished, good. Awesome. I oh, last night. It's really good. That is yeah. that that is super amazing, and you know our. Our boy Trent Reznor uh, and Atticus did the soundtrack to that. Do you guys know that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's really good. The yeah, score I, is amazing. Yeah, I'd been hearing about how amazing the show was and just kind of sat on it. And like I said, not having HBO, I just thought I'd eventually get around to it. So funny, watching it late night, I had to restart a bunch of episodes and I'd wake up on my sofa and I'd be on episode nine and like oh. the whole thing is running subconsciously in, in my dreams. And I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what's going on there. That's just dad uh, life. No, I, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. We, we all have children audience. <laughs> I, I'm uh, stuck in my in-laws house and I've been watching a ton of cable. So a lot of random movies come on. And uh, honestly, it's been awesome watching just a bunch of dumb movies. Uh, recently I watched, Benny and June, and I was noticing how much of Johnny Depp's style in Benny Ju- Benny and June, like uh, Jack White lifts <laughs> for his like oh, solo look. And I also, think I saw you. yeah, I, 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 I was uh, talking about that online. Also, the plot of that movie is that uh, if you want to seduce a mentally ill person, you should learn like vaudeville bits. <laughs> And to like mime, pantomime, <laughs> and then the mentally ill will like fall in love with you. Try that out after I get my divorce, which you know, <laughs> see gotta, <laughs> gotta learn a little yeah. pantomime, and then you'll be you'll be good, man. Also, we watched uh, Legend. Have you ever seen that movie? Tom Cruise is uh, oh, that movie. I love that movie. I bought that years ago on DVD. But Tim Curry is amazing in that. 
he's like the best part. It seemed like that movie was greenlit over a lot of cocaine because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like not much of a plot. Their sets are like absolutely insane. And I was saying Tom Cruise uh, in the movie Legend, um, Tom Cruise is covered in so much glitter for the entire thing. I feel like he still finds pieces of glitter on himself even now, like in his hair. Because uh, I think Dimitri Martin had a joke that said that like glitter is the herpes of crafting supplies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once you get it on yourself, it's just never coming off. Yeah. And speaking of Tom Cruise, like I know people like to hate on that guy, but I kind of like his movies. Like Vanilla Sky was mm-hmm. like one of my favorite movies of all time. And you know, you could you guys can like you know, call me out on that, but (laughs) (laughs) I in general don't mind him. I I don't love a lot of the movies that he's in, but I think he's a decent actor. Yeah. I think he, he, he just got messed up with that whole, you know, Scientology called. Yeah. You have to watch out for that. Yeah. He got in too deep and I think, is he out now? I, we'd have to Google that. I don't know. Be careful. I don't want, I don't want (laughs) to, anger any Scientologists out there. Maybe if you're um, listening to this and you want to give us updates on whether Tom Cruise is a Scientologist still, um, maybe hit us up. <laughs> what's a, what's the email that anybody, sh- if they want to like... We'll talk to send sh- you a free t-shirt. So Mike, so Mike, you're from the Space Merchants. You guys were in LA last summer. Like almost... We all stayed in a house in Hollywood. Yes. And then down the street, that was one of the main Scientology places. Did you know know that? Oh, yeah, I did, actually. Yeah. <laughs> when I was, because uh, we weren't too far also from, there was an uh, an old Scientology place that Ghost Adventures did an episode on uh, in LA. It's like not Scientology, but I think they still own the building. Yeah. And then, Mike, you you are you've been on TV a couple times. You you are the sound man for Ghost Adventures for the public yes. who doesn't know out there. So. I was this. Um, well, I, I don't go in the field with Ghost Adventures anymore, but I was a sound man for almost five years, and uh, I also now I'm the sound man for. Uh, if you watch those Bon Appetit videos on YouTube, that's that's me doing the sound for like Claire and Brad and all them. Maybe. I like how is that Bob Seger? That's Bob Seger. My Silver background. Bullet Man. So I've leaned very hard into the Zoom backgrounds, and I have uh, lots of them. And for this episode, I've chosen Bob Bob Seeker and the Silver Bullet Band, Stranger in Town Alfred, uh, album yeah. cover. Um, Frail is a Cleveland band. I've known Sean Bilovecki for a really long time. He used to be in the band Disengage. Those guys, at one point, they were they were on like a few of the jackass shows they were i think they had sound gardens manager i don't even know um but they were it was a big thing and you know i've known those guys since high school and then ended up forming a band with half of that disengaged guys black 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 it's funny the label seems to have a lot of people from cleveland but i think it's just because i'm from there yeah Uh, so let's uh play this interview that we did with them and uh, hear what they had to say for themselves. Nick, 
This is uh, Swafford from uh, Aqualand Records, and tonight I'm talking with the band Frail from Cleveland, Ohio. We actually just put out their new record, 1692. It's out right now in vinyl, book form, uh, in digital streaming. And first of all, let's, let's just uh, introduce the band. Hi, I'm Gwyn. I'm responsible for the ASMR portion of the of the music. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm Sean. I play, uh, I guess, rhythm guitar and spooky guitar. I'm Elliot, and I play rhythm guitar. I'm Eric. I play bass guitar, and I don't know if anyone knows what ASMR is. I do. A lot of people do. Yeah, I think you should do some. You should do some with your beard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Pat, sometimes Patrick, and I uh, count people in on the drums. <laughs> okay, so I have no idea what ASMR is. <laughs> there you go. See, can you can you explain that, Gwen? Hey, serious. Um, ASMR <laughs> is this. Gosh, it just became popular relatively recently. It's where people kind of talk like this, and they tell you, "Hi, I'm Gwen." <laughs> and sometimes they eat chips into a microphone and it's really weird oh wait i do i know what this is i because i uh, am an audio engineer sound man as a profession and uh somebody on set was talking about this when i was working at Bon Appetit, which uh they were asking me if i was freaked out by that because <laughs> i listen to people chewing and eating all day well are you are you freaked out by it no it's like um there's certain sounds that'll do it, you know, kind of like that boot stuck in the mud, sloppy sound kind of oh. does it for me sometimes. <laughs> but my wife doesn't like when I chew ice, so I'm sure she would not like it very much. Oh, chewing ice. That is the worst. So let's 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 talk about a little bit about frail, like the history. So Sean, I've known you like a really long time, I think since I was 16. I first met you and another guy who's a good friend, Bobby Berg, skateboarding. And then you later joined the band Disengage, played with those guys for a bit. And in between then, you did some various other projects uh, with X Duvalby Brothers. <laughs> then you took a little bit of a hiatus. I'm, I'm just curious to know, like, how did you and Gwen meet and how did you get back into writing cool music? So I have an apparel development business, which means that I, if you want to make jeans or a jacket or a, a shirt, you would come to my, your you would come to me and say, Hey, I want to make this. I have no idea what I'm doing, but here I bought this J crew shirt and I want to start a brand. I really like this shirt. And I like this other sweatshirt from Rick Owens, whatever. So I make patterns and uh, the tech pack and source the fabric and then help you find a factory. So all the, the, the thinking bits of making clothing is, is what I do. So Gwen actually reached out to me. Um, she had a store in Ohio in Beachwood and she wanted to work on a line. So she emailed my company and, and said she wanted to get some patterns made. And that's how I met her uh, originally. And then, I don't know, a year or two went by and then uh, we both were able to <laughs> date other people. So we dated each other. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so how did, how did the music start on that? You've been involved in tons of projects. So how did it start with Frail? How did this concept of lullabies over chaos come about? I didn't play... I. When I first when I first started hanging out, like I wasn't playing music at all. Like I wasn't really even into it. Like my guitar sat for probably years without getting played. Um, and then I I when I started dating, and then I I gave up drinking, and all of a sudden I had all this energy, and all of a sudden I wanted to play guitar again. So she got me 
for Christmas, she bought me Logic, which is a recording software, because I'd always been like a Pro Tools guy. I always had Pro Tools, but I had an older version, and it was just whatever. And Logic just felt a lot more intuitive, so it kind of sparked everything. Um, and then uh, I would just listen to her singing in the bathtub. like She'd be singing Portishead or other songs that were kind of like trip-hop like that. And so I said, you know, I think it'd be cool to just do a little music project with you. I'll play guitar and you sing. We did a cover of a Lil Peep song, which was a, I don't know if you guys know who Lil Peep is, but he's like a rapper. He unfortunately died. But we covered this problem song uh, because we listened to it at, at work all the time because we worked together. Glenn's also got an apparel background. Um, and then uh, I did the Portishead cover because she was sing Wandering Star all the time. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to play this bone, play it heavy. And then she sang it and we liked it. And then we just kind of kept going. Um, but I never. You know, I, I tried to make the music as heavy as I could. This is the first band I've ever been in drop B. Um, usually it's just like drop D or maybe D flat, but B was like super low. Like I had to get all new strings and set up differently. So I, I tried to make the music as heavy as I could, but never pushed Gwen to be a yeller because she's not a yeller. Um, but just kind of maintain that bathtub voice over it. And that's why, you know, that's where the whole ASMR thing came from because we, we did an interview like, I don't know, last week and, I think that came up in the interview. I thought yeah, we thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so, so Gwen, you know, Sean has a big pedigree, and everybody else in the band has been has a big pedigree of bands or sort of lifers, and we we can start talking about as we go down the line all of your guys' other bands that sort of influence what you're doing. But Gwen, have you been in a band before? Like, no. So I was. I mean. A zillion years ago, I was in a garage band, but we didn't do anything, and I was always super shy. I mean, I still kind of am pretty shy. It took a lot to get me up on stage for our first show. It's kind of funny because when, no, it wasn't. <laughs> there were many, many arguments that happened around that. But basically when we found out that we were going to Europe, we had to practice and I had never sang in front of a crowd before. So we um, Sean put together a show. It was supposed to be at the Grog uh, Grog Shop, which it was, um, but it was supposed to be on a Tuesday evening or something like this. And it was going to be, you know, just we'll open for somebody. And then it turns out it was like on a Friday night and we were headlining. And I'm like, are you freaking serious? You're like throwing me to the wolves like immediately. No one threw anybody to the wolves. The show just ended <laughs> up being on a Friday. <laughs> but it was it was like for somebody like me who's shy and and introspective and and uh it, it was very difficult to put myself out there in front of everybody i mean i've seen you guys a few times and like i would say you have a stage present in look and in how you're projecting to the crowd is that just something that just like just popped out yeah i like I, this like <laughs> like how you know, especially if, you know, you're new to this whole music thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it took me a little bit, but it's been a year and a half or something that we've been performing. And I think through that, I started to really enjoy it. And yeah, it just kind of, it, it just is my personality, but amplified and kind of amped up a bit. Yeah. It, I think honestly, it, it's kind of Eric's fault for amping it up. That's true. We, when we first started, uh, Eric wasn't in nice. the band, um, and he. <laughs> but our, our the bass player that we had couldn't couldn't go to Europe for some reason. So we we called Eric and was hoping that he'd do it, and he did it. But he was he saw us like I think it was our first show or something. And he's like, "You guys need to rock out more. Like you look kind of boring." <laughs> and I was like, "Cause I didn't know how to. I'm used to like freak out music and running around going crazy." And 
And this yeah. is I'm like, used to seeing Sean and disengage, so I now right. know what he's capable of. <laughs> so this is like slow, and I was just kind of standing around, and Eric's like, What are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like try harder. Yeah. So we we tried harder, and then Eric ended up getting in the band, so now we we, we try hard yeah. with him. But <laughs> it's fun. That's a try hard. Try I remember when Sean, you know, it was like maybe a year ago or so that you, you gave me a call. I didn't know you were playing. You were like, check this out. And I sent it to my partner, Eric, who Palmerly, who was unable, unable to make it with us tonight. Um, the label, and we were just like, this, this is some really cool, amazing stuff uh, that you guys are doing. It's, you guys are heavy. But then there's like there's a beautifulness, Gwen singing over top, and it it it, it just works out really well. So like, how how did the rest of you guys like? How how did Sean talk you into this? Why did you guys sign up? <laughs> Europe, <Brilliant>. baby. <laughs> yeah, Europe. I, I mean, I've always kind of been involved with Sean, like doing stuff with Buzz from Devolve Your Brothers, and Sean asked me to do some recording stuff and. So I think he kind of thought of me first as far as going to Europe, trying to put something together. I'm like, well, if I can make it happen at work and was able to trade vacation with a guy and it's hard for me to get two street week, weeks off and I uh, made it happen. So that was it. Yeah. And then Pat, how, how do you, how do you feel about this band? Cause again, you've been in like a zillion bands. Like I was in a band with you and like, I mean, I like how, it. how, how is this like experience for you? Like coming it's in. It's great. I mean, it's great because I've known Sean since I was probably, I don't know, 19 years old. So he's been one of my longtime friends. And I think one of the things about a band that is difficult, and especially we have five members, is just everybody getting along. And I mean, we all get along really well. And uh, I think that transits into the music. And I mean, we enjoy being around each other and playing together. So, I mean, that's, that's huge in itself. And then Eric, like, you know, I know, you know, like a lot of disengaged guys, like you used to live with like Jacob who like plays in a band. I play with black, black, black. Um, it's what one thing as a label that we like is how, and it's, it's great for us to do is like these long-term lifers and music were able to help keep them going and keep, keep the, I don't want to say dream alive, but keep the music alive in a certain way. So totally. like, yeah, I feel like Sean um, resurrected me. I mean, like, I don't even know how Sean knew I knew how to play the bass. Honestly, I was a drummer uh, yeah. last time we really were around each other musically. So I was kind of surprised. I was like, how does he even know I know how to play the bass whatsoever? But um, yeah, and I was soaked. And the music's interesting because it's so it's so sparse in, in it. 
in a good way. Like I'm so used to being in bands that are so busy and everyone's trying to play a million notes and, and, and show off. And it's just like, this shit is just like straightforward and there's a, so much breath in between chords and, and notes for things to happen or not happen that makes it so interesting. And it's, uh, you know. That made it hard for drums for sure. I'm used to playing, <laughs> playing fast, faster yeah, and more technical. I, yeah, we had all had to learn how to play slower and not hit shit in between shit. It, it was, it's painfully different. slow. I, Pat, I'm just amazed at you because I know how much of a, a diddler you are. <laughs> so, in more ways yeah, than one. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> and oh, then, Elliot, like, you know, how, what's your story, dude? Because, like, um, I, I, I kind of knew the story? rest of these guys. Like, how did you get involved? Sean and I had a stint together in uh, American Werewolves. We played a show at this uh, uh, horror hound convention, and that's how we met. And we hung out that night, and then uh, he ended up quitting that band, and then uh, started this, and then asked me if I wanted to play guitar. And then the idea was to go to Europe with them, but I couldn't do it because of due to work things. But yeah, he just hit me up and asked me if I wanted to play with them, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I I like I love the dual guitar thing i love like i think that was amazing you know the last show we had at vitus just you guys um playing there i think you guys just like when you opened for silver tomb you you guys were brand new you guys won over the room it, it was like a great show can't wait to come back yeah how did, how, did, how did you guys feel about that? I mean, that was your guys' first time in New York. I loved it. It was great. It was you too know, short. How do you guys feel about playing to these crowds? It seems like you're winning over crowds. They don't know what you're about, but you just you go on stage and you guys are all winning them over. Like how how, do, how does that feel? I felt very comfortable there. Uh, it felt like I belonged in that city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd agree. Uh, the pizza was very inviting. Yeah. yeah, but it's a good thing you guys aren't there now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's talk about your first record, the EP, which is out on Laybear, who's our partner in this in this record, 6092. But yeah, maybe talk, first talk about uh, the White Witch EP, how those songs came about, and then let's go in depth into the 1692, and we can talk about the book and all that stuff. So, and then just some of the, the themes, like what you guys were thinking when you were writing stuff. Was it all just jam sessions? Yeah, when, when, we, when we write music, um, I do my thing separately and Sean does he, his thing separately. When we wrote The White Witch, I swear to God, I cried a lot. <laughs> and it's because I'd never written a song before and Sean's like, yeah, here you go. Write something. I'm like, uh, I have no bloody clue what to do, but I think, you know, I think I just kind of did what I thought sounded good and kind of, we pieced it together. But as far as themes, I think white witch was an angry album. I think, uh, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of anger and, and, uh, but I think with both albums, there's always an undercurrent of spirituality and religion that kind of pervades through, I think, all of my lyrics. But what do you think about writing the EP, Sean? <laughs> well, it was kind of just figuring out what do we sound like, which I think we still on 1692 are, are figuring that out. And even into stuff that we're working on now is still learning like what what is frail like how do you how do we layer Gwen's voice like what what can she do as a as a vocalist like 
She's got a, a Hecate voice, we call it, which is like her kind of creepy whisper. She's got a low that she can do pretty well. And when you blend all those together, you come up with this interesting layered effect that sounds of one source, but you can't pinpoint what that source is. And to me, that was really interesting. And then, you know, through all the heavy guitars and the overlaying, like using pedals, which I'd never used pedals before. I didn't even know what effects loop was before this band. And then it, we just came up with something that we were excited about and released it ourselves on Bandcamp the next morning. Somebody bought it and we we're like, no way. We just made like three bucks. This is amazing. And then the <laughs> next day, Desiree reached out and she's like, hey, if you're not working with anybody, I'd love to put this out in Europe. And we couldn't believe it. And then a week later, she was trying to, you know, get us onto festivals in Europe. And then we were on them. So you know, before we even played our first live and that, show. And that's yeah. Desiree from Lay Bear Recordings in Europe. Right, yeah, Desiree. Yes. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Hope to work with her for the rest of our lives. She's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so she made Desert Fest and Soul Crusher over in Europe happen, which were two festivals that we played. And um, that was really the springboard for us to get to do everything that uh, we're doing now. And, and then, you know, and, and also that was the for us to put a band together. Um, and then for Eric to say, stop being lazy and rock out. So it was all, <laughs> it was all like a building block of, of getting to where we are now. Cause we, we just put that record out just cause we gave ourselves a deadline and, and made ourselves do it. Yeah. How, how, how is the songwriting process? Cause I, I, originally it's like, it was just the two you guys, but now you guys are like a fully fledged band and like, yeah, so- what is that transition like? So Corona is kind of messing with that because right now is about the time when, you know, we just, we just finished still doing, you know, most of the, the press and everything for, for 1692. So we were going to start as, as a band writing songs because uh, we haven't done a whole lot of that yet. And I want to, because it, it's going to get like, I, I'm probably the worst guitar player in the, I don't know, Pat, Pat doesn't, I don't think plays guitar. So he doesn't, <laughs> he's not part of it. But like between Eric and Elliot, like I'm probably the worst guitar player. So, you know, I want to get other, other voices in the in the conversation going and we're probably about to turn that corner and then now we're not allowed to be around each other again so this is the first time i think we've even talked to each other like for more than text messages in in, in a couple of weeks now because of this yeah I mean, is there ways around that? Or could you guys do Zoom jams? Pajama Man. Pajama Man's been a long-lived dream that we have yeah. to fulfill. So, pajama Band's like, because of the, the where technology is now, like, recording-wise, like, Pat, like, we got Pat, or Pat got e-drums a while ago, and he's got a version of the some of the drum stuff that we use for the record, so he could record in his pajamas. Eric's got everything set up at his house. Like he's yeah, got, I see uh, all those orange amps. What, what is that, dude? Is that our original 70s OR? No, nothing 70s, unfortunately.
I think what you guys are doing with like the live stream thing, like keeping it going. Um, I think, you know, I was on that live stream. I saw like there was like 3,000 views or maybe I'm like misread. Oh, but, yeah. It's yeah nice. I saw that. There were five now. Yeah. Wow. So I think, you know, doing, do you guys plan on doing more shows like that so for people? The Weedy and like that dude reached out to us. Was that this morning that he reached out? I, was um, it yesterday? Oh, so yeah. That, yeah. We have, we so definitely a, have to mention that. Yeah. He's a, so Weedy is a, he's from Europe and he's just got, a really good Instagram and Facebook and, you know, a presence over there and kind of like a, an influencer when it comes to, you know, stone or doom. And uh, I've talked to him and he's always been pretty cool to us, but for him to reach out and say, Hey, would you guys want to take over my Facebook and do a live stream? To me, that says that, that the live stream that Gwen and I did like resonated with people. And we had, you know, if you look at the comments on that thing, there's like almost 400 comments on there from all over the world. Yeah. Um, and so, and that sounded amazing. Like you, wh- how did you guys set that up? Like technically it was like through a live board. And- yeah. We have like this little crappy four channel mixer that I ran into uh, audio unit into the computer. And then my DSLR was, was shooting in, but the, because it, it, one of the benefits of like, we just, that's how we, Gwen and I practice. Like we, we have these backing tracks of that are like snippets from the record that are just minus our parts. So when we, practice like because we practice every single day like every day and it drives me crazy but we <laughs> practice every day um so we, we you know we can't have the band every day so we we have these backing tracks and so that's what we just pumped into there um to to do the live stream and that's what we'll do again for the the weedian one on on saturday um, so so one question i want to ask do you guys think you could illegally get together or is everybody like covid free so far, I don't know, Pat. How are you doing? That's in the medical medical industry, so I don't know. I want to be near him. I haven't been working, so I'm I'm good. Well, that's good. You're good. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think it's illegal. I think it's just frowned upon, and people will probably scream at us if we do that. I agree, 100 percent with that. Well, Sean, we can wear we can wear the gear you made. Oh, the mask. Uh, One question for all, all of you guys: like, how how are you guys doing during this? kind of like fucked up time shit storm like how how is your guys's mental state i'm doing good other than just uh financially worried about things because my hours at work got cut so it was like things were going really good making good money and then that kind of comes to a halt with complete uncertainty of what it's going to be like so other than that um i'm just staying as negative as possible and <laughs> that's what I do. So. Um, and then okay. that way I could be pleasantly surprised if things uh, work out well, but I'm not planning on that happening. So I think everything's ruined. <laughs> I mean, I can't help but constantly feel positive about the fact that I have extra time to, to play guitar. I mean, I can sit and uh, tweak different sounds from a speaker like endlessly till I go crazy, which is, you know, maddening but I, I love to do it. it it's nice to have the extra time in a way so it, it's kind of a blessing for me to have you know and no excuse to leave the house i i, I kind of love being a, a total homebody sometimes and i don't feel bad about it right now so i'm trying to be positive let's, let's put it yeah. that way yeah i've actually talked to a few weirdo engineer friends and they're like oh I love this. This is my daily life. I never leave. 
Yeah, really, I don't feel like it's that much difference because that's I'm basically like agoraphobic. So like I only leave when I have to play a show, basically right now, or for band practice or work. Yeah, I got a condo that's empty, so I've been going over there quite a bit, remodeling it because I'd like to eventually sell it. But I've been playing the crap out of my V drums late night, so I've been good, been able to see my kids a lot, trying to stay positive. So Gwen and I, I mean, we've been working from home for two or three years. So this is like no different to us. Um, you know, I, I think we're both fortunate that, uh, our, our income didn't, both of us are essential, I guess. So our, our income didn't really see a bump. So, um, we, like Eric said, like a lot of guitars, <laughs> a lot of guitars that are happening. Um, and, and, you know, I also, I guess I'm just, I, I feel extra fortunate because I'm able to also, um, the PPE that we're working on now <clears throat> shifted from firefighter over to, uh, making like COVID, uh, level one, level two, level three, uh, gowns for first responders. Um, yeah. To what Sean, talk, talk, talk a little bit about, cause I don't, you know, everybody, but you guys are actual apparel developers. So like, talk about that. Like, how, you know, you want, you you were telling me you were designing like fire suits for people all over the world. And so like, you're actually one of the people who are like helping out this like situation in a, in a, in a positive way. So yeah, we Kent state, uh, which is a fashion school in Ohio. Um, they reached out to me, I think yesterday, uh, on behalf of the Cleveland clinic who needs thousands of, uh, the, the isolation gowns, which is, what you kind of enter in from the back. It's like an apron with sleeves and they need thousands of them delivered by April 15th because there's a shortage. And one of the problems with those gowns and, and what's been going on and, and what like the protection against fluids and viruses and things like that. Um, Swafford, I think you need protection from fluids. <laughs> yeah. I just need protection. Just passed out there. Yeah. Um, anyways, Sorry, uh, all the, all the, all the gowns, most of the gowns out there right now, are you, you wear them once and throw them away, so nothing's renewable um, or reusable. So what we're developing are, are uh, these gowns and coveralls out of fabric that is you know, more protective, but also you can wash it up to 100 times to high heat so that there's not a shortage next time. And, and cities right now uh, all over the country are racing to get uh, reusable masks and switching from disposable masks to respirators that are just, you, you could recycle them, whether they have a filter you can throw out or whatever, but the gowns that we're making right now are reusable. Um, they're still, you know, affordable for cities. And I think would, if everyone had reusable gowns right now, we wouldn't be in this shorted situation that we're, we're facing right now. Yeah. So, so talk about a little bit about the mask that you guys designed and like, you know, cause I think that was like a really cool concept. I think that was like super creative. The, how you guys applied like everyday materials that everybody could make. And then the patterns that you guys sent around for that. So I was on Facebook a couple of weeks ago and I saw a local, another fashion person from Cleveland uh, that was on project runway. I saw that she had a thread going about masks and there was hundreds of comments from people with either family members or themselves in the healthcare industry, just worried about shortage of masks. And so she started a fundraiser and uh, I, I was going down the comments and I saw another guy that I know pipe in. Who's a, a, I don't know what he does for a living, but I just know he's one of the smartest people I know. And he used to do like art exhibits where he would be a Tesla coil on stage and just get hit by lightning and he would be fine. Cause he just figured out the, <laughs> the super smart dude. So he piped in with like analytics on 
different fabrics and fibers and what how they're how they filter particles. Um, and so then I saw him talking about how he's working with a hospital from Utah, and they have this mask called the Olson mask, which is a pattern they developed and they put it out there so that home sewers can get it and put this uh, MERV 13 uh, filter from furnace filters in there, and it would be just as good as the H or the N95 mask. I, I looked at the design. I didn't like it. I thought it was a little weak and it didn't give you full coverage. So I just quickly modified it and I asked them if they wanted it. Uh, and they, they said, no, they got their own. They were going to do the Olsen. So I was like, all right, whatever, I'll just put this out myself. So rather than starting a fundraiser and trying to sell things, I just gave the pattern away and Gwen and I made some sewing instructions and, and put it out there. And it's been cool because we've seen pictures of people sewing these and uh, sending them to us that, you know, the, Hey, I'm, I'm wearing your mask. Thank you very much. Um, so, and then the, the plane dealer reached out and did a little thing on us and, um, you know, I, I just did that cause I, I don't want to feel like I'm not doing anything to help and I know how to make patterns. So why not make, uh, yeah. Know, and I think, I, I actually think that is like great, especially now in this day where now the government is going to start pushing people to wear a mask every day. This is something that, you know, you can make yourself, you can, you know, what I like about that design, you can interchange that. MERV 13, um, which apparently you can get at Home Depot, right? Yeah, you just got to get a, a furnace filter that has that says it's MERV 13. Then you got to kind of take it apart carefully, and you, you can put the filter in there, and and you can take you can change that, and then you can wash the mask. You can't wash the filter material because it'll fall apart. Cotton cloth is better than nothing, um, but uh, when you have we get a, a layer of filter material in there, then you're you're a lot um, a lot better off. And and I think that it's. You know, I'd rather give it away because I think it's something that everyone should have and, and be able to do. Than, than yeah, to. I mean, I think that's a totally cool and positive thing that you you guys did. So, I mean, I think that's as as much as we can do. We're we're trying to share that. So, this is your first full length record. What were you guys thinking thematically? And then on the book thing, when we challenged you guys, like, okay, you guys got to make a book to work with this. You guys went to the Buckland Museum. Uh, talk a little bit about that. There's a, such a rich history just behind that as well. You know, the the book can live on its own. I feel like what you got, you guys did a really great job. It's like our vision as a label with content matching uh, the music in, in a like a really specific way that that worked out really well. So, like, t- talk about that whole experience. Because that that was that was your guys's idea on that and because our that made us do another hundred page book two months later <laughs> we, we had to come up with uh, some content that was beyond just photos of amps and, and tombstones which I think are awesome but we just did that so we had to come up with something else and the, just kind of going with it with the themes of the the lyrics and I think what what Gwen's really into it just made sense for us to kind of explore like okay if if you look at musical instruments as being artifacts of something that it's meaningful to you, I think that we're just fortunate enough to have this museum in Cleveland that also had these artifacts that were equally meaningful to people in other circles and merge those two worlds with, with showing guitars and pedals and spoons that were bent by someone's mind and wands and helmets that were used by some of the, the, the first official like witches yeah, of so, the U.S. So you're awesome. talking about the Buckland Museum. So t- t- tell the audience a little bit about what that is and the history of that, just so so people understand. Well, the Buckland, uh, Raymond Buckland was, I think, the, not the, 
well, the first American witch, I guess, officially, he started a coven here. But I think, um, like, and the things that Steve has at the Buckland Museum are really interesting pieces from Buckland's coven, um, different things that he had just even at his house. But there's, like, the really important circlet worn by the high priestess, like, just all kinds of really amazing things. And I think what that does as well is it lets people know that craft is really in vogue (laughs) right now or whatever, but it's also something, you know, like I I take that whole, like I take all that stuff pretty seriously and and I don't want to be just, you know, a Becky being like, oh, I'm feeling witchy. You know, this is kind of stuff that I believe in. I'm not, I'm not Wiccan, but I I believe in a lot of the uh, Wiccan philosophies hermetic philosophies things like this that you know appear in the lyrics for on the album so how does that like sort of spill over into the aesthetic of the music too beyond just like the lyrics i think there's like a sort of a sonic intention to it when you listen to it uh you get that vibe when you hear it one of the things that with like you know we have heavy guitars drums that's like a heavy band then there's gwen's ethereal voice over it and then between those two things i try to use pedals and and uh, just reverb to create like what I call fog. And to me, that fog, this is just me personally, it might sound silly, but to me, it's almost like spiritual in a way. Um, and that how you connect to, like something grounded, like just the, the, the music to something ethereal. To me, that's very similar to like what everyone's religion tries to do, I guess. And so to me, it's kind of like almost hit the nail on the head kind of stuff with the the, the fog and textures that make us unique being to me, what is, I guess I would call spiritual sonically about the band. I don't I, know if that sounds corny, but. I think that music is magic. I think that it music takes you places, um, helps you to get places that you need to go. And uh, so I think that's part of what we strive to do as well is to help people get where they need to go. Um, I'm glad that you guys are keeping it going strong and not like dropping out. Um Despite the situation, I think a lot of people are inspired by what you guys are doing. It's really, I think music is one of the ways we're going to get out of this thing. So if there's any final words you guys got to say to the peeps outside, uh, let it go. Um, I guess just thank you so much for listening and thank you uh, for supporting us. I mean, our friends and fans have been amazing. And, you know, when you had the weekend where... You know, you gave all the proceeds to us. The the you know our our fans were amazing, and they supported us. And then showing up for the for the live stream. Thank you guys so much. And like Sean said, I think in a post one time, thank you for like sharing photos. Thank you for commenting. All that stuff means a lot. And we see every single one of them, and we appreciate it. So thank you so much. So this is the first release on Aquarium Records. Uh, it's the first track on Descender's uh, 
first record, right? Spit and Stare. The song that started it all, so to speak. So Eric, Eric you play in Descender. I don't know if we've yes. actually said that. Uh, you play guitar in yeah, Descender? Yeah, I play guitar in Descender. And Descender, we originally self-released this EP that was recorded at Jonathan's old band's rehearsal space. Our band's first shows were actually together at Lit Lounge in Manhattan back in the the heyday of literal underground music. Uh, Lit Lounge. I was in a band with my now wife. She wasn't at the time. It was our first show. And I think, Eric, it was your guys' first show. It was, yes. We, We had never met. And then we just like just connected really well because half of our band were creatives and designers and all of your band was designers. Yeah. So we definitely bonded over, over that throughout the course of a couple of years, I guess, when it came time for us to record, you, you had mentioned that you had uh, some recording equipment in your space. And so we worked with a friend of yours, Adam Thompson to record this, our first EP. And it was originally self-released and then very, very low budget, low stakes. And we kind of got back from a tour on the tour we actually had a friend of ours who's now an artist on our label, Nathaniel Shannon. He was riding with us doing kind of roadie stuff and handling merch. And he introduced us to uh, Longmont Potion Castle. And there's a skit on one of his records uh, where he calls up a dog food manufacturing facility and gives this guy a hard time. And at some point, basically... (laughs) After asking if he'll process squid meat and lamb and all this other stuff, and the guy's like, no, we only do like chicken and beef or uh, whatever. The guy's like, hey, would you do any of that aqua lamb? And somehow in the middle of like, in middle America, driving deliriously, we that just struck it, aqua lamb just struck this weird chord with us. And we're like, oh, we got to do something with that. In all seriousness, our guys do lamb and pork. That's all we do. Well, how much for some of that aqua lamb, then? <laughs> aqua lamb, that's cute. <laughs> Ready to rub a little lamb, or what? <laughs> i tell you what, yeah, come on down. So when we re-released our EP in a digipack nicer packaging and we had it remastered by james pluck and put aqualam on it kind of as a joke to quasi legitimize the release and i think about that time you guys were I th- somehow not too long after we started talking about actually making it a real label because why not and jonathan was in three bands at the time <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> so we actually relaunched the label it was a four record release launch yeah i think it was descender it was vagina panther hhr and black black and, black. and black 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 all at the same yeah. time yeah so um, we, we went big and re- relaunched the label with uh Four releases on the same day <laughs> and then wait. the thing about the label that i mean which i think with eric is is a really important part because eric and i would hang out and we would talk about it is originally we had an idea to do a cookbook <laughs> that was a book that was based off these emigre books that were were graphic designers so emigre is a type foundry uh that was super influential in design you know from the like early 80s to the 
early aughts, uh, Rudy Vanderlands yeah. and uh, Susanna Lico. So Eric and I were like, let's put out some books and it could be like a paperback in this size. And we were like, oh, let's make it a cookbook. Wouldn't so wait, so you cool? would buy a record and then you would get a cookbook? We, yeah, because we thought the, <laughs> right then at that time period, the chefs were like the rock, the other rock stars, right? Uh-huh. So we were like, wouldn't it be so cool if a chef, and I still, I feel like we still want to do this, even though the restaurant industry is decimated right now, is have a rock star chef tour with a band. And they go from town to town. Uh, the chef goes into a restaurant. It's a guest chef. Like, Eric, your brother is like a pretty well-known chef. Um, yeah, yeah, my brother, Matt, uh, he's certainly someone who came to mind when we were talking about it. And your brother-in-law is deep into the restaurant world uh, via his work as a photographer, right? So Evan Song, so we were talking about that. And that's how we we were talking about the book, like, okay, let's, it wasn't even about being what it eventually became as an extended conceptual thing of the records. It was more like, Hey, let's do a cookbook. That's, but that somehow we never could get that to work through. And then we started making the book, the extended, um, like liar notes, because I mean, think about it right now. Like, so you, you, we were small label, couldn't really afford vinyl. Vinyl is really expensive to do. Um, you have to buy it up front. We figured out a way with our printing and design expertise to sort of do a quasi on demand book thing. And because Eric and I were designers, we could handle designing those books. So like the first, first book was like your guys' book. And the second right after it was like Vagina Panthers book as a release. Well, and it's also your that's a familiar format in like the punk and heavy music scene of like people yeah. making their own publications and, and you know, zines for and years. Like, yeah. And, and here's the thing. Books have been around for tens of thousands of years. And I, Eric and I can both will admit to this, but pretty much why I'm a graphic designer or creative director is because I would stare at record covers and CDs and like try to emulate it. And like, I, you know, that was one thing both Eric and I connected on as well. And now we're in this age, like when we started the label, that's when streaming was like taking off. It's like, you're in that age of invisible music. And there's, we're like, how can we do something that, One, the bands can sell by themselves. That's cheap and efficient. And that's also we won't not, go broke. And that's also and then, not corny like underwear or tank tops or yeah. something. Yeah. Because let's not dis- out, let's not yeah. dismiss shorts because shorts. Yeah. I'm in, I'm into shorts. shorts. Uh <laughs> one of our bands, Han, went on tour with Throat. Uh-huh. And the band printed shorts and they sold out. They like made so much money on shorts. I guess Silk screening shorts. Athleisure so. wear, guys. That's where Leisure it's wear. Athleisure wear. That's the future. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, the whole thing with us, like, I think Eric and I believe in the tangible and like sitting down and like really like viewing something and getting into it. 
So I feel I feel like this is maybe a good place to leave it for the first episode. Jonathan, why don't you give me a recommendation for maybe a song I can listen to to cheer me up during these times? Uh, all right. Here, here's something I'm so bummed. Like, it got shut down, dude. I've been so into the band Tropical Fuckstorm, and I love the song You Let My Tires Down. I listen to that on repeat over and over again. That band is amazing. It's kind of like the Dirty Three meets Nick Cave. I, I have no idea why Australians can make such good music. It is, it's amazing. So I would say check out Tropical Fuckstorm. You let my tires down. Eric, is there a song that you want to let people know that they should listen to? It's not a new song by any stretch, but through some miracle of social media, I was introduced to Wall of Voodoo's cover of Ring of Fire. And there is an album version, but one should uh, Google the live version. And it is such an amazing uh, rendition. And seeing those guys play it live is incredible. And, so, and Mike, Mike, tell us what, what's your new favorite jam? So my jam right now is Riding Easy Records, just reissued Population 2 by Randy Holden. Randy Holden was the guitarist and singer for Blue Cheer. And uh, he didn't make too many solo records in the 70s, but most of them are hard to find and really good. So they reissued Population 2. And the song that I've been really feeling off of it is called Blue My Mind. B-L-U-E, my mind. You should listen to that song. Maybe I'll maybe I'll leave us with this song as we... Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you should as you as fade, fade out. As we fade out. Uh, everybody, thank you. Uh, thank you. Hey, guys, stay clean and dirty. That's episode one of the Aqualand Records podcast. See you for episode two. Stay away stay from safe. each other. Stay away. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.